saying that we were going to get into the movies. Yeah, and I'm only going to get into a few of them because there were way too goddamn many for me to really be interested in telling you this clone version or this clone version in the early studio system. It, it's a good metric to know in a, in a story arc, where should I be? Well, there's Beast, I should step over here. Uh, yeah. Some point, at some point, I'm gonna have to sit down with you, like, and force you, like, pump you full of coffee and be like, no, okay, look. Uh, and are swiftly and brutally put down by the Minutemen who use bayonets to get their point across. Well done there. I'm good, Damien. And I'm also glad that I got your name right this time. I apologize for that one TikTok video. Men of this generation wound up serving a whole lot of them as a percentage of the population because of the war, because of a whole lot of other stuff. Oh, yeah. Um, and, and actually, in his case, it was pre-war. But, but you know. I was joking. Did he seriously join the American Navy? He did. Fuck it. <laughs> This week, my son graduated from pre-K, um, and so my my parents are visiting. and And if if you, dear audience members, uh, hear odd sounds in the background, uh, that's because I'm recording on my patio uh, because my office is currently occupied by my parents. Um, but uh, the the graduation was was very adorable. Uh, the kids uh, all declared uh, what they wanted to be when they grew up as part of it. And my son's answer was uh, he wants to be a police officer ninja. And I had to bite my tongue to keep from immediately responding Ain't in that? public. Oh. Well, no, in public, um, I'm okay with half of that. <laughs> Like, if you want to go to Japan and, and apprentice, I'm totally down with that, but we're going to have to have a talk about about the other part of that. Like, if you want to study the shadow arts, I am 110% behind you, my son, but um, being a fucking cop, uh, mm, there, there are only... They, like, there are, there are so many choices you can make in your life. I will, I will love you unconditionally except <laughs> like i don't know man but uh so yeah it was it was one of the girls in his class uh said she wants to grow up to be a unicorn which which was adorable and then the part of my brain that spends too much time on the internet uh uh took that answer and and i was immediately ashamed of myself yeah so yeah. So, but anyway, um, my my wife got teary and and emotional, um, 
and yeah, no, it was, it was, it was good times. It was good times. And next year he moves on to kindergarten and his first day of that is going to be, it's going to be an adventure. That'll hmm. be, it'll be an emotional roller coaster. So that's what I have going on. How about you? Well, I'm Damien Harmony. I'm a high school U.S. history teacher and a high school Latin teacher up here in Northern California. And uh, the thing that I've got going on is <clears throat> I finally... Now, parents will understand this. Others will for the wrong reasons, which happens often in my life. Um, I finally cleared all the laundry off my dresser. Okay, yeah. Now, when you're a parent... It's you are dumping and you're moving on so you can parent. You do not have time to put shit away. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Even when you're a parent of a 10 and a 13 year old, this is true. Because you got, you got, you, you just fold the laundry and the dinner's about ready. You just dump and you go. And I chaperoned a dance a month ago. The shirt that I wore to that is still folded up on the dresser until today. Um, and so I did a I did a little thing because uh, always be teaching right. Um, I I had uh, Alexa play Even Flow by by uh, Pearl Jam. Pearl Jam, yeah. Yeah, and I raced Even Flow to see if I could get it done in the roughly four minutes and fifty seven seconds that that song takes. I was I I I lost by just a few seconds, but I called okay. my daughter into my room. My son, you tell him to do a thing, he will grumble, and then he will do the fucking thing. He will get up early to clean out the cat boxes so he has more time to research how to redesign a zoo or how to build a uh, a better role-playing game for Marvel. My daughter will grumble grouse and take an hour to do a task that takes five minutes. So, your daughter, your daughter yeah. and I would get along famously. Yes. yes. Yeah. Um, in so many ways. Uh, so... Um, I am totally that guy. Yeah. yeah. So I, I raced even flow and I brought her in and I said, okay, I did. you hear the music I was playing? No. Okay. I was playing a song and it only lasted about five minutes. I said, take a look at my dresser. And she's like, oh, it's cleaned. I said, I know. I can't believe I waited a month to do five minutes of work. This is ridiculous. And she looks at me. I'm like, now you know where you get it from. <laughs> so... <laughs> so now you have that self-knowledge do with that what right. you will child yeah yeah so so that's yeah. what i uh i recommend pearl jam for all your laundry needs so all right yeah, yeah. i can i can get behind that yeah yeah uh we have with us a guest yet again because uh the hulk hogan story is a long and arduous one and i like to bring as many people along to torture as possible <laughs> uh andrew sutherland welcome back still chasing his... by the time we're done with this hulk hogan thing though you might be done with your he, PhD. he might he might be doctor andrew yeah <laughs> what a journey what by a journey that we will get be. done with this yeah boy howdy uh, so oh, please good. everybody welcome uh just a small town boy uh andrew sutherland <laughs> hi um i'm ecstatic to be back um let's make my day um, I used to teach at the community college level. So uh, we had Ed, who's teaching at middle school, Damien, who teaches at high school. I am your next step. Um, community college, hopefully eventually teaching at a full university institution. Um, my fun fact, fun thing I recently did is the other day was my little brother's birthday. He turned 27. And... I, I we do this every so often because we've lived long distance for a while. We would send each other gifts. 
I sent him a nice shirt from the university I'm at right now, a hat, a mug, a card, as well as a box, just a regular box that fits snugly into the the main box that everything was shipped in. Mm. But what I did was I cut a hole, a little hole at the bottom, and just filled it to the brim with glitter. And so, <laughs> so you would think like, oh, he would pull it out and just glitter would fall into the box. I did something extra there. Um, I tied or taped, glued, tied a rope on the inside of the box as well as to the main box as well. So when he pulls it out, uh, the glitter would be falling and the rope would be pulled with it, causing the box to fall over, tipping all the glitter onto the ground. Uh, so I'm kind of in a little bit of mischievous mood with him. But also the extra fun part is, is that he's in the military. He's currently doing some training in California. So mm. that box is going to be sitting there for an extra bit longer. Hmm. And if I know my brother, the first thing he's going to do once he gets home is actually open his mail. So mm. he'll be just so tired <laughs> dealing he'll, with that. He'll brighten up his day. Literally. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> On behalf of your brother, fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> like... Like, I told my oh my god, that's evil. Oh, that's good. Oh, don't I'm worry. I'm so um, glad I never had siblings. My <laughs> god. I told my parents I was gonna do that. That's the exact re response my mom said to me. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad my brother never had siblings. Or... No, she said, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. Nice. Yeah. Gee, uh, many Christmas. <laughs> wow. I don't know how to transition from that. So let's just dive in, shall we? I mean, um, it's perfect. A sparkly yeah. murder glitter gymnastics there, there you, go. you go there you go so uh last we talked uh shay hogan was being funded <laughs> um by by richard belzer uh so, getting a getting a settlement yeah. yeah so three days after hulk hogan choked out 145 pound comedian richard belzer um on March 30th. Yeah, go oh, ahead. Okay. I'm just <laughs> sorry. You you mentioned Richard Belzer's weight and and that immediately put me back in mind of the of the photos that, that we were looking at yes. from from the Grammys of of yeah. the fact that Hulk Hogan is a tree as he you is. said like he is absolutely you know, a tree. I I I literally picture Richard Belzer like looking like a ventriloquist dummy. Well, is hanging, hanging from his forearm. Yeah. Yeah. It's um that he never like you know some people they they go up and down in height but uh, Belzer didn't yeah like it, but yeah it, my how God. it goes so, yeah so anyway sorry actually let me see if I can pull this into the chat for you so that you can see the exact height difference oh you did it for me thank you Andrew there you go that's oh shit yeah that's right before Holy. so he puts his hands out he's playing to the crowd and then they he tries to tap Hogan's arm and he goes limp in the in the process. Wow. Yeah. So 3 days later, Hulk Hogan uh the night before WrestleMania, Hulk Hogan and Mr. T were the special guests on Saturday Night Live. They were co-hosts and they were both wearing matching Hulkamania t-shirts, not WrestleMania t-shirts. Uh, Mr. T hmm. was wearing a WrestleMania hat. Or no. Okay. Mr. T was wearing a Hulkamania hat. Wow. There, so 
I find that that's just kind of one of those things that I'm like, oh, wow. Um, their opening monologue made fun of the Belzer incident immediately uh, to the point where um, they actually left a guy laying on the stairs of the stage <laughs> of the SNL stage. Like they, wow. I mean, and that's such a wrestling thing to do. Um, one of the, the most telling episodes I can think of is um, about six years ago. There's a, there's a wrestler named Cesaro, vastly underrated, phenomenal wrestler goes to dive on somebody who's up against the turnbuckles, right? And that person gets out of the way. He's supposed to hit the turnbuckle. He overdove. He hits his face on the post behind it for real, legit, oh. not kayfabe. Um, hits it, knocks out his teeth. Oh, shit. Falls back. Like, he, he didn't knock them out. He drove them back up into his gums from whence oh. they came. Ah. Yeah, okay, got you both gagging. Oh, <laughs> oh God. Uh, oh. Oh. <laughs> oh my god <laughs> you're both sweaty um uh, he immediately looks up he finds where the hard camera is and looks up at it with his mouth open and agape on purpose <clears throat> because <clears throat> you know that that shit makes money you know that that will be a storyline. That's you that's can, heat. You can yes, you can sell because uh, he's going to be wearing a mouth guard for a while. You can sell that as merch. You can put that on entrance videos to show how fucking tough this guy is. You uh, can do all that kind of stuff. I know. I have the same reaction when I read that Perseus scrapes the uh, the one tooth that all the gray eyes share uh, on the snow. I'm just like, oh ah. yeah, oh yeah. Uh, so. Uh -huh. So uh, when you have an incident happen organically, you make money on that shit. You you, you milk it, it as hard yes. as you can. Yeah, absolutely. Okay. You break someone's leg, that becomes storyline. You break someone's neck, that becomes storyline. Okay, so so I, I have a question about that though. Sure. So they're on they're on SNL, SNL. Mm -hmm. and this is eighty five, eighty five, eighty five. <laughs> Um, now, of course, by that time, this is Eddie Murphy era. No, this is past. This is the years of SNL, to be honest. In oh, fact, okay. All right. Warren Michaels is not oh, okay. part of this. This is the Dick Ebersole okay. years. Of oh, SNL, wow. Okay. Which All explains right. the WWF connection because buddies were, well, Ebersole and McMahon were buddies. They had regular oh, really? lunches together. Yeah. Oh, okay. Interesting. So, so during, yeah, go on. So, okay. You go first. So okay. So my so my my question here is mm -hmm. the thing with Bel they're referencing the thing with Belzer. Yes. In the opening minutes of 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 SNL, but Belzer, what his his show was a regional New York thing and a weekly one and a and a weekly okay weekly New York mm -hmm. thing. Mm -hmm. They're now on SNL. Yeah. Three nights later, you said. Yeah. Okay. Live from New York. Had had. The thing with Belzer gotten traction nationally. So like people in California no. uh, watching SNL, were, were they going to know what this was a reference to? Or was this totally New York inside baseball? New York inside baseball. Okay. Yeah. It, was, it, okay. At the most, you would have had like the segment at the end of the newscast. And okay. Richard Belzer's in the news today for getting knocked <laughs> out. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so... I just realized um, who Richard Belzer is. 
uh he was munch on uh yes on law and on, order, law and order yeah. it took me a moment going back to like my research interests uh he wrote multiple books on jfk's assassination uh-huh yeah he was re- he's really into the he or was he was really into that conspiracy theory yeah he um, and oliver stone i believe shared yeah shared interests in the same types of conspiracies too the ones that that kind of radiated around uh new orleans oh wow. okay okay yeah yeah huh. yeah he also no, it took oh go on no it took me a moment to realize who he was i was like mm, oh, yeah. who is he who is he but he, go on. he also uh had the absolute best ronald reagan impression i had ever seen in my life <laughs> in terms of getting his voice um really Yes. And he, you know, I've seen him as a comedian because, okay, I didn't get cable till I was like 12, 13, because we Mm -hmm. moved back to California and my dad was making enough money and rent was low enough in the early 90s that, in fact, Mm -hmm. you could get cable. Um, And I would watch A&E's A Night at the Improv. Oh, right, right. Yeah. And Richard Belzer was on there. Uh, a lot of comedians were on there, you know, and yeah. I also would watch on occasion. I'd see different uh, comedians interviewing comedians, TV shows. So I loved comedy. Um, okay. And uh, yeah, shockingly. Um, and so I saw him do an impression of Ronald Reagan just very quickly. And I was like, oh, my God, that's perfect. Um, so, hmm. yeah, right. cool. But uh, yeah, so it's the Dick Ebersole years. It's the Nadir. Um, it is. I mean, this is around the time that Chevy Chase gets banned a second time. I mean, this is like around the time. I know that this is the one year that, um, uh, uh, to, to give you a reference, this is the one year that Billy Crystal is on. And he's like, okay. you look marvelous. That character, mm-hmm. he had Hogan and T on it, and he got them to break. Um, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. Um, because he's oh, you make a little boobies go the boot, the boot, the boot, you know, and and like and they just and he's like, and why do you care? And T is like grabbing this like flex bar and all this, you know. And he's and he's like, oh, what what do you have there? And and he says, oh, it's a parking meter. Um, and he's like, oh, when you do that, your boobies you go boot, the boot, the boot, and uh, you look marvelous. And T just breaks character, and Hogan breaks character. It was it was so fun. So, you are you watching Richard Belzer impersonate Ronald Reagan? No, I'm oh. looking at Saturday Night Live's cast in 1985. Pressing. Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. Randy An- Quaid. Anthony Michael Hall. Yeah, Joan oh, Cusack. Yep. Nora Dunn. Yeah. Terry Sweeney, John Lovitz. Yeah, John I was Lovitz say. was that early? Yes. And and Nora Dunn and Terry Sweeney, I believe, were the... No, I'm thinking of someone else. Um, but yeah, I mean, Harry Shearer was there at the time and they never took any of his ideas. Like you talk about having a wasted pool of talent. Look at those fucking names. So, yeah. so was that just that the writer's room sucked nuts or like what? If you ask Harry Shearer, yes, because okay. he left after three years of never getting a single skit of his on. Oh, and he said, we had creative differences. I was creative. They were different. <laughs> wow <laughs> Harry Shearer is famous for feuding with a lot of people though so well yeah okay yeah I, I dare say I, that uh, he and I would probably get along um I, can I think see he that. just takes a stand and fuck the consequences yeah um mm-hmm. which I, I can't say is a good thing for me but there you go yeah well so so they got, yeah 
Okay, so so they're on there. Billy mm-hmm. Crystal manages manages to break them. Yep. They get to cut a promo. Straight up just cut a promo for WrestleMania on S- on SNL. National, okay. right? Nice. Now, this is how you can get closed caption at the time. That was the that was what the push was. It was closed captioning. So closed circuit TV, rather. Closed yeah, captioning yeah. is with the captions. Yeah. Um, it's in the name, uh, but closed circuit. So you go to a bar and watch it on closed circuit, that kind of thing. And that's what, and they're making, it is the night before they're making that push. Um, like, wow, 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 wow. Like look at, and again, look whose gear they're wearing. They're not wearing WrestleMania gear. They're wearing WrestleMania shirts. Yes. Um, and again, Hulk Hogan has become band-aids. He has become Kleenex. The brand. Yeah. In he a is lot the of brand. Yeah. yeah. And remember, all of this started because of a feud that Cindy Lauper had with Captain Lou Albano. Right. Right. And now, Lou Albano mm-hmm. turned into a face. Right. And, and he now and we've Cindy moved. faded away. Yeah. And now we don't need the MTV connection anymore because that was used to generate heat and light. Mm-hmm. And now everybody's eyes are on the actual product. Yeah. And this, and and I will say... WrestleMania, Vince McMahon bets everything on this. He absolutely does. Um, and he didn't know until three o'clock the next morning that he had broken even. Oh shit. It was really? a oh, big boy. fucking deal. Yes. And 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 by the way, on SNL, Roddy Piper and Bob Orton were on. Uh Liberace was on. All to promote WrestleMania. Oh yeah, Liberace was the guest timekeeper for the main event. Oh, wow. Okay. The Rockettes were there. Muhammad Ali was there. Billy Martin was there. Oh, yeah. Wow. And and then you add to that the backstage interviews of Andy Warhol, Danny DeVito at, at the war to settle the score. Um, and then the promo videos that different that different musicians and celebrities would make on SNL or not not on SNL on MTV. Mm-hmm. Um, leading up to the event, the following people made promos shitting on uh Roddy Piper, saying why he's a little punk bitch. Um, Patty Smith, Ted Nugent before he went batshit. Um, D. Snyder, no, no, he was okay. okay look, fair. he was always uh, before he went shit. politically batshit. There you go. That my D. favorite. <laughs> Your favorite. My favorite story of a uh, Ted Nugent. Um. I think he was he was paid not to perform once because he got so black blasted drunk. I want that, that job. <laughs> that he was like, I'm still gonna perform, but there was like, no, we'll just pay you not to perform. Yeah, I don't don't job. go out right now. I want yes. that job. What we're so, seeing like yeah. right now, like yeah. I would you say like uh before WWF mm-hmm. or um before all this televisation of mm-hmm. WWF and wrestling that it was more like kind of an obscure media type of thing. Yes. You could yeah, fly so... under the radar so well that you, like, you remember I talked about the fabulous Freebirds? They yeah. came out to Leonard Skinner's Freebird. Yeah. And, and that's and insane. Like, yeah. It wasn't licensed to them. They just got away with it because no one looked at wrestling. Yeah. But now mm-hmm. we're seeing like, this whole push that we're now, mm-hmm. I, I should have pointed out when they were on a Johnny Carson was the steps to mainstream uh, yes. wrestling. 
mm-hmm. literally make it more part of pop culture and part yes. of the uh, uh, public consciousness. Mm-hmm. Even though you don't, even if you don't watch wrestling, you know who Hulk Hogan is. Hundred um, percent true. Yeah. Hell, you know who Ricky the Dragon Steamboat is. I do. Yeah. Like, absolutely. you know, oh, he shows up on Sidekicks for an episode mm-hmm. with Ernie Reyes Jr. and Gil Gerard. Yeah. So, you know, and talk about mainstream. Here's who else is cutting a promo in favor of, of Hulk Hogan and or against Roddy Piper. Right. Dee Snyder, okay. Tina Turner, yep. Dr. Right. Ruth, Joe Piscopo, and <laughs> Geraldine fucking Ferraro. No. Okay, what? Wait. Geraldine Ferraro cuts a I'm... promo on Roddy Piper. The vice presidential candidate from 1984 <laughs> cuts a promo on Roddy I'm Piper. Just... I'm just going to yeah. set copy this. Geraldine Ferraro. Yes cut a promo. That's amazing. Yeah. On Roddy Piper. Like, that's I, I mainstream. I just, I'm sending a photo right now. Oh, okay. Like, oh, there it is. Oh, here sure we go. Pop up. Okay. Like, yeah. The the woman who ran with Walter with, Mondale. With Walter Mondale. Yep. There's, oh, speaking there's of, you and Dr. Speaking Ruth. Of some names. Yep. Oh, hey. hey. So you are one know. degree separated from Roddy Piper. Yeah, I uh it was um I don't remember the year. I think it was um 2015, 2016. It might have been 2015 or something. I went my parents and I decided or my family decided to go to New York for Thanksgiving mm. and we watched the Macy's Day Parade and my mom and I were sitting and we were watching it and there was this cute little adorable old lady sitting in front of us and we were just like she sounds familiar. She seems familiar. Then all of a sudden, it clicked in my mom's head. It's like, that's Dr. Ruth. And I'm like, oh, no, no way. And that's awesome. we talked to her. She was ecstatic that people remembered her. And the the peak of my existence was she, she just said that I'm a very handsome young man. And I was oh. like, uh, it's all downhill from here. That's, yeah, that's well, the peak. Yeah. yeah. What, what are you going to do? Did yeah. you get her to say penis for you? I feel she like did. I would have. She did. Oh, that's she awesome. Did. Nice. That's nice. the best part. It's like, hey, do My, you mind saying penis? <laughs> <laughs> I I I can't ever think of Dr. Ruth Westheimer without without thinking of Robin Williams' commentary on her. You know, here she is, Dr. Ruth, uh, wonderful little old Jewish lady talking about sex. And you know, she doesn't even will tell you about oral sex, and you know, she doesn't even eat pork. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> So that brings Hulk Hogan to uh, WrestleMania. Uh, there you go. <laughs> yes. Less than yeah. 24 hours later. Because you remember, okay. SNL is like 11 o'clock out there, right? Yeah. So uh-huh. less, than, less than a day later. So god damn, they must have been exhausted. It's the first major WWF closed circuit TV event. It's not a pay-per-view. That's not going to happen until the Wrestling Classic in November, as far as the research I could find. Um, okay. Which is a... So closed circuit... Yeah. Closed circuit in this context meant that... It's going to go you... out live to TVs all over the place, but not on a network. Okay. On a, on a, on a circuit that, that bars those... have to buy into. 
Okay, that's okay. That's what I. It was. It was yeah. still. It was kind of a pay per view. It's but it proto pay per view. Yeah. 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 Okay. Or pay per view. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Now uh, the term has universalized. It is. I mean, literally, the next sentence was. It is the proto wrestling pay per view. Um, the following people. Actually, I, I already mentioned them all. Mr. T, Liberace, Muhammad Ali, Cindy Lauper, The Rockettes, Bobby or Billy Martin. They're all the front-facing celebrities at WrestleMania, very New York conscious, but also nationally known. Billy Martin had been in Oakland, California. He has been all over the mm-hmm. place. He's, I, I think he was a manager up in um, uh, Milwaukee at one point as well, but uh, very famous for being the Yankees manager, right? Um, Liberace, need I say more? Um, you know, all of this. This would, as Vince McMahon would say, plug the gap between the mainstream audience and the wrestling audience. And it would get more eyes and more coverage. So now people who are like, and Liberace today was dancing with the Rockettes in a wrestling ring. Anyway, here's a squirrel on skis. You know, it would be that kind yeah. of thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So mm-hmm. the naming of WrestleMania. Ah, yes. Was it more influenced by Hulk Hogan in this case? So I don't know about Hulkamania. I don't know about the influence per se. I do know that the man who came up with it was Howard Finkel, the announcer. Okay. Um, Okay. He is the one credited with the name. Now, it certainly rhymes with Hulkamania. And so was he thinking along those lines? I think very likely. You know, it's kind of was it in the soup? Yes. Um, Especially because Hulk Hogan was the face. He was the face of wrestling. Right. And he, his whole like trademark was Hulkamania. Right. And so I I could see that. And, you know, you don't turn down good money that way, too. Like, it's, it's, (laughs) yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, So it's the, the closed circuit TV market. Uh, that enables Vince McMahon to get over a million viewers of the first WrestleMania in March of 1985. Uh, fun little fact about that is that the show went off the air in Pittsburgh at the Civic Arena dur- due to a malfunction. So arenas and and stadia, or not maybe maybe not stadia, but arenas and civic centers and stuff like that, basically big wrestling venues, brought in big ass TVs and charged people to come in and see it on closed circuit. Uh, but it goes off the air in Pittsburgh due to a malfunction. And in order to make up for it, the local ABC affiliate showed the entire WrestleMania for free a couple of weeks later. Um, and I, I got to say again, for free. They didn't charge WWF for the rights. They did it for free. You talk about free publicity. Like everybody in the Pittsburgh area gets to see it for free after some of uh. them have spent money to go watch it. I know at this point in the podcast, my parents mm-hmm. would be listening and my dad would be furious because he he's from or my family's from Ohio and they hate okay. Pittsburgh. Yeah. 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 And look what yep. Pittsburgh got to do. Yeah, so. exactly. How dare they? Right. Now, I went if... to West Virginia. Yeah. I went to West Virginia. <laughs> School's rivalry was University of Pittsburgh. So I'm obligated to just say eat shit pit. That's uh, fair. Right now. That's totally yep. fair. I had a friend who went to Oberlin, and uh, she was always obligated to say, kill them Quakers. Um, so. Wait. No, no, I'm sorry. Hold kill on. the Quakers. It was because they're the yeoman. <laughs> okay. Uh, the right. Oberlin yeoman. Yep. Um, 
And so, and so at the end of all of this, WWF was a nationally known thing. The rental tape market helped that momentum continue. And Hulk Hogan was a juggernaut. Uh, the next year would see Hulk Hogan in at least 10 different video cassettes that were released by Titan Sports. 1986 saw the payoff of all the 1985 efforts. More merch, more tapes, more money. And on it went on through WrestleMania 3, where Hulk Hogan was a part of the biggest match in wrestling history, according to people who thought that it was the biggest match in wrestling history. Um, I would still say that George Hackensmith uh, versus Frank Gotch was bigger in 1903 and 1905, I forget which year, because it drew over 100,000 people. Um, and it, it brought the world championship to the United States. George Hackenschmidt came to the United States and legitimized the U.S. as kind of the, the locus of, of pro wrestling. I would say that that was bigger. That being said, this is a very close second. Um, Hulk Hogan goes against Andre the Giant. Um, and it basically is the end of the territory era. Because WWF had become the coke of wrestling by this point and had packed out the Pontiac Silverdome. They reported and claimed a crowd of over 93,000, although estimates of all kinds of people who examined such things put it closer to 78,000. But they all came to see Hulk Hogan take on Andre the Giant. That was the draw. It was a passing of the and torch. And at this point, mm -hmm. they started to shift uh, Andre the Giant, who was a face, mm -hmm. to oh, becoming heel. more of a heel. He's full heel yeah. by the time. Because the whole point of the, of the match was that on uh, Piper's pit, now Piper's a good guy by this point, Jesse Ventura brought out Bobby Heenan. Bobby Heenan comes out with Andre the Giant. Hogan freaks out. What are you doing with him? Andre, what are you doing? And Heenan does most of the talking, and he says, you know, this man has has stood by you. He's been your friend for all these years. And not once did you give him a match. And Hogan's like, I, I would have if you had asked, Andre, I, I just don't don't let it be with this guy. Don't be with him. And Andre just full on heels on him, right? Grabs his shirt, rips his crucifix, digs it into his skin a little bit. Oh. That was accidental. He basically is Andre. Sorry, Indigo, I jogged him too hard. Um and, you know, it's not exactly choreographed. Hogan actually had um, like Vicks Vapor Rub or like menthol cream on his fingers. And you can see it because he was going to put it in his eyes so it would make him cry. Um, oh. But in instead, yeah, anything for the fucking kayfabe, right? But instead, the fact that he was bleeding and the emotionality of it all brought him to tears anyway. And it's interesting because Hogan's like holding... The, again, this didn't mean to happen, but it happened. He's holding the broken crucifix in his hands and looking up to the camera and like, why? And Roddy Piper is right there. And he goes, come on, man, you're bleeding. You're bleeding, man. Come on. And he's being the sensitive friend to Hulk Hogan by WrestleMania 3. Piper's a good guy at this point. He's a good guy. He's okay. been feuding. You remember we did our episodes yeah. on They Live. He'd been yeah, feuding yeah. with Adrian Adonis by this point. Okay. So he was pushing the homophobia button really hard. So he's yeah. a good guy. So <laughs> Hogan God. takes on a monster heel Andre who they they had billed as having never lost. But if you remember a couple episodes back, he did lose to Hogan before. But, but it was always but it was always on some kind of. Yes. Technicality, yes. Technicality yep. or something. Out, like out, so, whatever. Yeah. Absolutely. Now, Okay, now I remember mm -hmm. somewhere 
mm-hmm. uh, hearing that right up until the end, mm-hmm. there was some level of nobody was really sure whether what Andre was going to do. Whether, yeah, whether yep. whether Andre was really actually going to let Hogan get over on him or not. So Andre let Vince McMahon know what he was going to do. He guaranteed, yes, I'm going to do the job you want me to do. Okay. But he didn't let Hogan know what he was going to do. <laughs> so, so Hogan okay. wrote out the whole match. According to Hogan, he wrote out the whole match on a legal pad and and basically gave it to Andre. And Andre was playing Parcheesi or whatever game he was playing with Arnold Scotland at the time. You know, Get out. Um, and Hogan fucked off. He's like, all right. And Andre starts calling the match and he starts calling everything that's on Hogan's list. This is according to Hogan. Hogan also mm-hmm. claims that he broke, he like ripped all of his latissimus dorsi muscles when he body slammed Andre. That's not true either. Okay. Um, of course so. No. <laughs> so, <laughs> but a, a whole fuck ton of people came to see Hulk Hogan take on Andre the Giant. And it had it. So you have 78,000 to 93,000 people there. You have Bob Euchre and Mary Hart there. Mary Hart, who was really big in entertainment at the time. You oh, remember? yeah. So uh, what was it? Uh, Entertainment Tonight. Yeah, E.T. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Um, you had Bob Euchre there, which he was an amazing host for WrestleMania. He was really good. Mm-hmm. Um, you have them there. You had Alice Cooper there for a match between Jake the Snake Roberts and the Honky Tonk Man. Um, <laughs> you have a lot of stars. You've got a lot of star power. And you've got 93,000 people, according to WWF. You've got 78,000, possibly, and somewhere between there. Um, They're paying to be there. You've got 520,000 pay-per-view buys. You've got 450,000 closed-circuit buys. And that that means more than a million people paid money to watch Hulk Hogan beat Andre the Giant. And ticket prices... Ticket prices at the event range from nine to a hundred dollars, which sounds like a hell of a steal in today's money, considering it's like five thousand dollars for a ringside seat nowadays. Yeah, two to five. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. So now this all happened, okay, and it was not a very good match, but it is what sold the pay per view. There were other very good matches on the card, actually. Um, the the famous Steamboat Savage match, for instance. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, I think that the, uh, the Can-Am connection versus Don Morocco and Cowboy Bob Orton was fun, uh, was a good match. I also think that Hillbilly Jim and, oh God, who was it? It was Lord Littlebrook and the Haiti Kid against King Kong Bundy, um, Little Tokyo and, uh, Little Beaver, um, that's right. What amazing names. Oh, yes. Especially when you realize that Hillbilly Jim and King Kong Bundy were the only people in that wrestling match who were not little people. <laughs> and so you had a match with little people in it. Oh, and, my God. Oh God. Now, I'm going to use the term that they still use today, that little people who are wrestlers still use today. It's called midget wrestling. Um, I'm going to refer to that term maybe a couple more times, but it's essentially little people doing wrestling moves. It's played, obviously, for comedy. And then you've got King Kong Bundy, whose nickname by some was Shamu. Because if you look at his singlet and his skin, he looks like a fucking killer whale. 
and you've got Hillbilly Jim, who's a really big fella. Um, and so you you basically the amount of fun that 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 match had. I mean, there's just all kinds of really good matches going on. And then Hogan and Andre, and it was only about six to eight minutes long. Andre was clearly in a lot of pain. It was not a very well done match, but it did the thing that it needed to do. Mm-hmm. So mean, at the same time, yeah. it's still like when I think about WrestleMania, I still think about Hulk Hogan. That slam. Uh, body slamming. That mm-hmm. slam. It, mm-hmm. It's a cultural milestone. Mm-hmm. And in yeah. many ways. Yeah. Because I don't know if anybody else ever body slammed Andre the Giant. You can go on YouTube and find a video that's over a minute long of other people body slamming Andre the Giant. Okay. But what you're saying is speaking absolutely 100% to the legend that was built around Andre the Giant. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they said that he hadn't lost in his 15-year career. He hadn't lost. In yeah. this 1987, he had longer than a 15-year career. Um, they said that um, I'm going to drag something. I'm going to see if I can drag something while I'm talking about it. Um, they they said that he had never been beaten. Uh, he's been beaten plenty of times. Uh, so it's, um, yes, uh, the, the hype was that. Um, the fact is um, that he, okay, there we go. The fact is that uh, that, that was part of the story going in. Mm-hmm. Um, very effectively done, I might add. Uh, but yes, that that was the the story going in. So I need to stop down here for a moment and address some accusations that were made uh, by a former governor, uh, a former wrestler, Jesse Ventura. Jesse the Body Ventura. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! Yeah, but before I do, I do want to hear any impressions that you guys have up to this point because. At this point, Hulkamania is running wild. Mm-hmm. Um, and at this point, Hulk Hogan is clearly the draw. By the way, he made almost, uh, by varying reports, he made uh, $3 million that night. Um, and uh, Andre and other people say he made 250000 And Andre made 750000 Like, reports vary all over the place. Okay. So, and I put into the chat actually um, <laughs> a poster <laughs> from my uh, my pun <laughs> show for you guys that was inspired by <laughs> WrestleMania three. That's just for funsies. So, capital yeah, I, pun pun is meant. meant. Yep. And yep. you can see oh, yeah. this is yep. before we change capital to an O. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I used the Andre Hogan uh, motif there, so. Oh, it's it's beautiful. Yeah, yeah. I think it's I think it's interesting that you, you're the one uh, photoshopped onto onto Andre. I'm I was bigger than my partner. There. Yeah, I mean, well, yes, yes, yeah. yes. yes there, that's, yeah. there's, that's there's true. That, so I am bigger than my my partner at the time, and also there may have been some ego issues that I always had to try to assuage. <laughs> so yeah, I, that hey, your your build is the champion. You should yeah. be fine with this. Yeah. Yeah. There you uh, go. Yeah. yeah. So, so yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. Jesse Ventura has launched some accusations at Hulk Hogan uh, of late. And again, 
you need to take these accusations with the salt licks that they deserve because Jesse Ventura is also a huge conspiracy theory nut, and he mm-hmm. is also a former wrestler. Yes. <laughs> so just a range of lies. Yeah, there's lies. there's a yeah, there's yeah, there's there's a whole yeah. yeah. Okay. So think, what what are the accusations here? I think Jesse always liked being the smartest man in the room is part of yeah. it. Yeah. Really? Yeah. I never would have guessed that from seeing <laughs> his public persona at all. Right. Yeah. So no, no. And he ha- what was that TV show he used to have where oh, conspiracy theories? Yeah, conspiracy theories. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was. It was. There was one episode mm-hmm. I remember watching it and I and it was like I think it was some sort of like virus episode and mm. it was you could tell when that you can tell this was a point when he was li- part of this episode that he was like this is the dumbest shit i've ever heard yeah. <laughs> because it was yeah it was yeah it also that episode also involved alex jones yeah oh, yeah he's, wow. he right. he used to be on alex jones uh semi-frequently he's been on the view mm-hmm. he's been mm-hmm. on he used to come on to fox when they were reasonable yep. um yeah and it's interesting because, like, you never really know which way he's going to cut on something. And then even when he cuts on it, you wonder why? Because you can't yeah. ever predict yeah. his reasoning either. Yeah. At about half the time, he's a pretty reasonable guy. Yeah. And the other half the time, you're like, oh, oh, you just never had anybody tell you shut the fuck up. <laughs> yeah. Like. Oh, well, when you're as big as he is. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, and, like. You know, you, you remember Hulk Hogan, Hulk Hogan ripped off um, superstar Billy Graham. So did Jesse Ventura. Mm-hmm. They were both very much yeah. influenced by, you of know. Course. Th- yeah. So he used to let people think that he was a seal because and and Ed, you can kind of get into this. He he basically did all the training that seals ended up doing before mm-hmm. there was a seal team. So his buds, uh, yeah. basic underwater demolition S. Yeah. Um, sabotage probably. I um, don't remember. So I have to look it up. But yeah, according to most people who are seals, they're like, yeah, he did the training. It's fine. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. The, the the to yeah. to anybody who's who's been in one of those organizations, mm-hmm. most of the time, um, if you have done enough to qualify, right. Um, like, you know, it, it, it kind of cuts one of two ways. Um, I think for the majority of, of folks who are, who are in that kind of elite level operation kind of mm-hmm. culture, um, you know, no, look, this, this guy, this guy, you know, has chops, right? I'm I'm not going to I'm not going to you know I don't have anything to prove I'm not going to get all worked up over right over what am I Chris Kyle over here come on yeah that's that's oh, that's the one way yeah. the the other way is you you do get some people who get a chip on their shoulder you yeah, know I and mean, I mean and I mean they've earned it cuz sure. like the shit you've got to go through to to earn those those badges and and to be part of those organizations is it's mm-hmm. fucking nuts. And and as I understand, yeah. it, no. and my understanding might be limited or in fact wrong, but uh, I'll, I'll make my case in a second. But Andrew, I want to give okay. you a second too here. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, like I'm, I'm just trying to think. Like, what would my dad say? Because he was a colonel in the army. <laughs> okay. And mm-hmm. yeah, so 
he probably would be like he did the training but you could like pay to do like seer training and stuff like that too Mm. but that doesn't mean you are a navy seal or like army ranger yeah if if you if you went through the the actual school because the thing is if you if you like yes it is true that that as a private individual you can spend however much money to to go to a camp where oh yeah i know we're we're veterans and we're gonna you know we've we've done this and we're gonna put you through you right. know the authentic you know uh you know extend and escape seer training you know experience and it's like well okay look you were paying for the privilege so how yeah, you know there's you there's, there's kind of that privilege. asterisk yeah. as a, yeah as opposed yeah. to like no no you were in the service you tested in like you were you were judged to you you were you were a chosen individual chosen right. man chosen woman and like you went through you made legitimately all the cuts. Yeah. yeah you made all the cuts yeah there's there's a distinction there that sure. i think is important and yeah. um you know it's easier to say and I, I think this is part of the reason that that a lot of that a lot of folks let ventura kind of get away with it it's it's shorthand it's easier to say well you know i was a seal right people know what that is like people know what brand. that is Pe- people Hand know me what that band-aid. means yeah yeah whereas like well you know I, I went through you know i got chosen for and i went through you know underwater demolition school right like okay what is that what huh what does that mean is that like a seal yeah yeah it is it is actually so you know and that's so i I think and and there's a combination of things there what i've noticed here is that uh the 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 training for buds is 24 weeks and the seal training uh is called seal qualification training sqt um that's 26 weeks and i don't know if those are two separate courses or if they're or if if one got subsumed by the other, I couldn't I couldn't figure it out, and I I don't have the working knowledge of the organization mm. to mm. be able to get there. So I know that he graduated from Buds in 1970, and I know that there's no record of him going into SQT. But if it didn't exist at the time, and Buds was the top end of what you could do, mm-hmm. and then that later gets folded into SQT. There is a record of him going on to being on a a UDT uh, underwater demolitions team, mm-hmm. um, which were commonly called frogmen. Yep. Uh, yeah. uh, and usually, people who finish buds go into either the frogmen or SEAL training. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. I guess. And Ventura later said, "You know, quote today we refer to all of us as SEALs. That's all it is." Um, end quote. And other SEALs have come to his defense. Um, he went through the UDT training, uh, according to all the other SEALs uh, that, or according to other SEALs, not all, but according to other SEALs, quote, the UDTs and SEALs are essentially one and the same. It's why the UDT is still part of the training acronym BUDS, end quote. So that mm-hmm. tells me that SEALs think, yeah, he's fucking yeah, he's a SEAL. He, like it counts. He, he can okay. he can say that. It's yeah. like if someone was in the OSS and then you're like, oh, so they're in the CIA. It's like, yeah, close enough. Yeah, essentially, yeah. yeah. You know? Yeah. All right. So, All right. I'm also so, going to use this as an opportunity yeah. to make a po- see if this would happen. Hey, Dad, I know at this point you should be listening. Um, <laughs> I have sent you the link to this podcast, and I know you love me so much, so you would listen to the full thing. At this point, text me your thoughts. <laughs> 
Yes. Nice. And then leave that a way if he review. doesn't. Yeah. And leave yeah. a five star review. So there you go. Yes, yeah. please. This will also Poor prove Favor. if he actually. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Listens. And thank you for your service. And by <laughs> yes. your service, I mean and leaving a five star review. There you go. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm not about to do the the uh, what is the, the 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 performative genuflect mm-hmm. uh, of the insincere person wearing the lapel pin. There yeah. No. He he wouldn't. Yeah. He wouldn't yeah. appreciate that. Good. Yeah. Just good. just buy him a good beer and he'll be happy. There you, there go. you go. Yeah. So, or a cigar, either one. Okay. Well, you know. <laughs> um the 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 thing is, um Jesse Ventura has this career ending condition of blood clots in his lungs. Um and that is a truth that is wrapped in all sorts of weird half truths as well. He claimed that he got it from Agent Orange in Vietnam. He never served in Vietnam. So that's a little bit of a problem. Yeah, yeah. All this said, he he ends again. He's a wrestler. Like I I I don't know if the job creates the personality or if the job attracts the personality. <laughs> or is it a feedback? A little of column A. Yeah. Little column I mean, B. Yeah. I don't think Colonel De Beers was ever actually in the South African Army. I don't think Sergeant Slaughter was actually ever a Marine. You know, I don't. I don't. You know, those kinds of things aren't. You know, it's it's wrestling. It's it's yeah. You know, uh, yeah. Baron von Raschke was not a unreconstructed <laughs> Nazi. Kamala was not a Ugandan headhunter. I mean, yeah, I go like on? yeah, no, you really don't need so, to. No, because I'm cringing so hard right now that my yeah. the back of my head hurts. And those are the least racist examples I could come up with. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Oh. oh crap! All uh, right. So Jesse Ventura claims that while he was on set for Predator, he saw the benefits of being in the Screen Actors Guild. Uh, I think that's probably true because he's mm. a wrestler. Uh, and while he's talking with Arnold Schwarzenegger uh, on the set for Predator, Arnold convinces him of how good it is to have SAG because you have permanent uh, life, uh, not life insurance, um, health benefits. Uh, that movie was filmed from April of 86 to February of 87. Mm-hmm. So this means that Jesse Ventura brought this SAG desire with him sometime between WrestleManias 2 and 3. And the thing is, by that point, he was almost entirely retired. He wrestled a few matches through 1985. And by mid-March of 86, he seemed to stop entirely. The final match that I could find that he wrestled was in Winnipeg in a losing effort against Tony Atlas on March 17th of 1986. The next month, he's off to Mexico filming with Arnold and Carl Weathers and all the rest. So according to Jesse Ventura, he'd come back to the locker room to talk with the boys about starting a union, but that he did so prior to WrestleMania 2. And this is where I struggle with the chronology because WrestleMania 2 happens after April 7th, 1986. Okay. Now, this could be just compression of time, you know, as you tell a story or, uh, you know, any number of possibilities. So according to Ventura, he approached the locker room to tell them to refuse to do WrestleMania 2 until they unionized. In a later, and he's the only source I could find on this. In a later interview, Jesse said, quote, Vince McMahon is lucky I didn't go for the Senate because had I gone into the Senate, I would have started a senatorial investigation as to why pro wrestlers are called independent contractors when they're not, end quote. This was absolutely about Ventura's claim that McMahon busted up any chance at a union that the boys ever had. 
Now, this is the Hulk Hogan episode. So here's why I'm bringing this in. Ventura was one of the first proponents for the formation of a wrestler's union, which he tried to start. Jesse the Body was able to join the Screen Actors Guild due to his role as Ar in Arnold Schwarzenegger's movie The Predator, and he wanted to bring that to his fellow wrestlers. He told of addressing the locker room prior to WrestleMania 2, noting that no one's agent was around. And an agent is a wrestling agent. It's not actually an agent agent. It's somebody who will help you develop the, the matches. And he, quote, gave the speech to the boys, end quote, encouraging his compatriots to refuse to go without the opportunity to unionize. And then he says, quote, the next night I got a call from Vince who basically threatened to fire me if I ever brought it up again and read me the riot act. So when I came back to Vince, I told him point blank, Vince, I won't ever bring up union again. I said, if these guys are too stupid to fight for their rights, I have my union now, end quote. And he means SAG. Now, there's another wrestler who also has been in a movie at that point, Hulk Hogan, who also has the benefits of being in SAG. Now, Jesse claimed that he did not know who stooled him out for years, and he said stooled me out for years until he was involved in a court case over the amount of roughly $850,000 with Vince McMahon. Uh, there was an issue regarding royalties around uh, the use of his commentary on video cassettes. So he's doing commentary on almost every pay-per-view, every main event, every wrestling thing. So his voice is on almost every cassette. And he said, you know, he's basically like, look, you're screwing me out of royalties. I want my cut. So $850,000. So when McMahon was being deposed with Ventura's lawyer on the subject uh, of, of this $850,000, the subject of unions come up. And I think this is around 90 or so. When McMahon was in a deposition with, uh, oh, oh yeah. Uh, so McMahon evidently stated that Hulk Hogan had told him about uh, Jesse's meeting so that McMahon could squash it because Hogan thought that it would benefit him more if they did not unionize. And Ventura said this recently on the Stone Cold Steve Austin podcast, quote, it was like someone punched me in the face. This was my friend. And I thought, Hogan betrayed me? Hogan called Vince and ratted me? And when he was pressed by Stone Cold Steve Austin, he said, quote, Hogan continued to lie and said he didn't do it. Well, in the trial, we got the records of WrestleMania three, the big one, him and Andre. Well, Hogan made more money than all of us combined, including Andre. So naturally, he didn't want a union. However... According to Dave Meltzer, a wrestling journalist who also tends to report not real stuff, Andre and Hogan each got $750,000 for WrestleMania, with Andre getting an additional $250,000 to put Hogan over. So that amount is in dispute. I have once heard that he got a payday of $3 million for that. But to be honest, the whole thing seems to have generated roughly $12 million, so that seems a bit much. So... It's entirely likely and possible that Hulk Hogan stooled out a union and that a union could have formed. And Jesse Ventura acts like that uh, that was the case and certainly seems to hold a grudge about it to this day. So. Okay. Um, yeah. Puck scabs. Um, exactly. Like, you know, you yeah. want thoughts. Like, that's the first one. Um. I, I mean, I, I think it, I think it lines up, I, you know, and, and I think part of it 
sorry um part of it is is hogan you know knowing have, seeming to have this this kind of almost instinctive understanding of of like his own angle mm-hmm. um and and you know how to how to how to get out on top but the other the other part of it is at this point i kind of get the feeling that that a big part of it is hogan is a company man mm-hmm. you know that that the opportunities that he's got and the the position he's in at this point yeah i mean he's huge and he's capitalizing on the fact that he's huge and he knows that that gives him a certain amount of power but he also knows that like he he needs he needs vince and that makes him a company man and the loyalty like on the on the belzer show him him you know preserving kayfabe and and defending the business and on Johnny Carson, him defending the business. Yeah. You know, yeah. he's, he's. Now remember when he's on Carson, he's in AWA. Well, yeah, he, yes. But I think you're but still when right. When I say, when, when I say the, I mean, in that sense, when I say the business, I'm, I'm talking about, I'm talking about wrestling as an industry. Yeah. The profession, the, the profession and the, the image of wrestling. Yeah. The, yeah. The, the image of it. And, yeah. and, you know, he's in, he's in the WWF now and he's got, and he's, and he's with Vince, but earlier he was in the AWA and he was defending the, the organization. Right. Whatever organization it is, he's defending the organization because the organization is what's getting him his position. Yeah, I could see that for sure. So, I mean, I and I think it's I think it's it's a little like I've said before, a little column A, a little column B. Sure. Is the read I kind of have. Mm-hmm. Um and you know, fuck scabs. Yes. The Absolutely. the inability <laughs> You know the the inability to recognize the well, it's the potential effect, right? It's you know my kid needs a Cadillac, so your kid needs to get run over by one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's 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 the the idea that well, you know, there's a limited number of slices in this pie. I want to make sure mine is as big as possible. It's like no, no, mm-hmm. the pie can get a lot bigger, right? <laughs> like right, like it, it, or or in this case, it's more about the pie is going to get a lot bigger and you don't understand how big. And and not even just that, like on the pie, I'm thinking about like if WWE or WWF at the time unionized, how many wrestlers would have not had career ending injuries or even had deaths resulted in traumatic brain injury yeah. or a variety of other stuff, or even like, I don't know about this, but maybe like, the notorious issue of like the pushing of steroids. Oh, that's and, coming. <laughs> oh yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, substances. Yeah. So yeah. in many ways, Hulk and definitely Vince are kind of, are responsible in, for those. Oh, absolutely. Oh yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. yeah and, and by blunting the thing that might've stopped that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And also, as always, yeah. fuck scabs. Right. Yes. <laughs> we we need to repeat that as much as possible because, <laughs> like, seriously, fuck I think it, thug life forever. Yeah, yeah like, and I think at this point, my dad would be texting me, "Fuck scabs." <laughs> nice. Cool. Yeah, it's it's 
Yeah, like you said, I mean, it's it's that idea that like, well, that'll mess with my money. And that is a running complaint that people have. They're both people are very happy when Hogan's on the card because it means everybody's going to make more money. Mm -hmm. And I'll get into how much he upped the cards. Or did I already talk about that? About, you kind of did. Yeah, there's that 40% somewhat that 47% yeah, yeah. jump because he was yeah. on cards. Yeah. So they're getting raises like, you know, because he's on the card, but at the same time if something doesn't work for his money, he squashes it. Mm -hmm. And that becomes a complaint about him in WCW. So, during this time, Hulk Hogan didn't do very many movies, and the occasional guest spot was on a TV series. He appeared on the on one episode of a Dolly, Dolly Parton variety show in 87. Oh. Yeah. I love Dolly. Everybody loves it. But Dolly. also, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean like But it was a one season no go. That was it. But also knowing that he's a scab. Yeah. And yeah. him being on Dolly is like well, yeah. nobody at that time knew he was a scab. Of yeah, course no, not. It, but like know, it's like finding that shit there was shit on your shoe later. You know? Exactly. So now he's busy wrestling and growing his brand that way. And he really, really is. Besides WWF properties, Hogan wasn't really out there very much. Even if we can't if we count his I can't believe it was snubbed by the Oscars movie, No Holds Barred. This movie, of course, was starring Joan Severance, Tiny Lister. And Supernatural stars Kurt Fuller and Mark Pellegrino. Wow. Lucifer That's... played his little brother. Wow. Okay. Rip him. You know, his brother who ends up in a wheelchair? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's Lucifer from, some, from Supernatural. Holy shit. Oh, God. Wait. Yeah. Oh shit! What? Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> mm hmm. <laughs> okay. Cool. All right. Yeah. I've I've had my moment. We can move on. Okay. Wow. Damn. Yeah. Um. And also, of course, the guy who played um. Oh God. Uh. Who was the angel that had the really nice suit that they ended up killing early on? He wasn't an archangel that I can remember. He was like the head of the the angel mafia. Bald guy? Yeah. Oh. He's shit. the main bad guy in this. Well, oh, he was yeah, Zachariah. He's, he's, Zachariah. He's, he's, That's yeah, he he's the face. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he was the main bad guy. Um, and of course, Tiny Lister, who played the president in uh Fifth Element. So, uh, what do you call it? Um, he's not really doing that much non-wrestling content uh, besides that. Um, and I don't know if there's a media term for this. Andrew, you can help me out. But I call it smart saturation um, because he has become such a known commodity in the realm that he's in. But if you break out to try to do other stuff, no one's going to disdain your failure there. So you're safe failing. Um, and you'll land safely back in what your momentum has built and cur curated. I think it's just saturation. Okay. But it yeah. seems very, like, cause 
it just it seems like he knows that even if he steps out and fails, he can fall back into this and keep going. And it's yeah. that that forgiveness aspect is really clever. Like it's it's rare to see people do that. Well, know? I'd point I'd I'd actually interestingly coming back to you know, and another example from wrestling, that's kind of Dwayne Johnson. I think he's broken out completely. Oh, well, he's... Dwayne Johnson has broken out completely, yeah. but until he became who he is in, in the zitgeist, mm-hmm. I think he would, he, he got to that point in as, as the rock. Mm-hmm. And then he spread out from there mm-hmm. and, and he has managed to now break kayfabe in a way and, oh, yeah. and, and yeah. become, and become Dwayne Johnson. Yes. Outside of all he of has, that. And he become, has his own genre his, of movie in the same way that Bruce Willis had his own genre of movie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I would love now that I think about it, Dwayne Johnson kayfabing on a uh, Kevin Hart. Just because it would be because Kevin Hart wouldn't know what to do, he would just be lost of words every time. Uh, I've never seen that man lost for words, but he would be terrified. <laughs> he would be oh, terrified. Oh, yeah, yeah. He oh, they knows. Are so fun to he watch get interviewed. They are so fun to watch oh, yeah. together. Yeah, they they obviously either their kayfabe is that friendship or they have that friendship. Yeah, they. Like, yeah. I I I genuinely get the vibe that that they genuinely love each other. Yeah. Like, yeah, like, yeah, there's, there's something so remarkably wholesome yes. about it. Yeah. Like, yeah, there's a sweetness to it. Yeah. So. <laughs> and, and I mean, it's them being, being, you know, rude and horrible to each other, but you can tell they're doing it from a place of like, mm-hmm. no, this is my brother. Like, yeah. If anybody else talks yeah. to him like this, I'm going to rip your fucking head off. But like, I mean, they, you know. I think they had a whole movie that that was the premise. Yeah. Um, but so when he pokes out of his spot, which is the top spot in all of wrestling, when he pokes his head out of that, he does it in a national way that still builds or widens the Hulk Hogan brand. Yeah. In Gremlins mm-hmm. 2, he played Hulk Hogan. I forgot he was in that movie. Mm hmm. Now, once he loses the title to Ultimate Warrior at WrestleMania 6, which is still the most depressing WrestleMania, because if you look at the the amount of people who were on that card and you compare it to the amount of people who were in the Super Bowl that year for that that year's Super Bowl, and then you do death rates, <laughs> it's like oh. there's this. Oh, it's bad. It's like there's entire matches where there's the only person alive still is the ref. Yeah. And then there's others where not even the ref is alive. Yeah. Yeah. So he loses. He loses to the ultimate warrior. He gets involved in a feud with the earthquake, a Canadian sumo wrestler who ended up doing a lot of professional wrestling. None of that is untrue. Um, He he. He tries to step back to give the Ultimate Warrior a better shot at getting over as champion, um, and he wants to go have a rest because he's been burning hard for a long time, mm-hmm. and he wants to try other things. So on screen, Hulk Hogan gets attacked during the Brother Love show by the Earthquake. He was kayfabe injured mm-hmm. so badly by the Earthquake's attack, uh, compounded with the depression over the loss of the uh, to the Ultimate Warrior, that he was considering retirement. Vince McMahon went on the air 
and asked all the little Hulkamaniacs to write to him and urge him not to give up. This is brilliant because when you write a letter to someone, what do you have to put on the envelope? A stamp. A stamp. And your home address. And now oh. you've got catalogs, mailing lists. Oh, fuck. God really? damn it. And they get a postcard oh, that size. Is... Yeah. Oh, yeah. They also get a postcard size picture of Hulk Hogan saying thank you. Uh, which. Oh, that is so dirty. Such a good carny con. Oh, my God. And now they feel I, connected I to who? I feel gross. Yeah. Just and who do they feel right. connected to? Well, Hulk. Hulk, Hulk Hogan. I mean, that obviously, whole, like... they feel connected. Yeah, mm-hmm. a parasocial relationship. It, it would be. It, well. Fuck. It would be more. This is me going into my like specifics. Sure. It would be mm. more of a parasocial interaction, yeah. Uh, because okay. the feeling of I'm interacting with this person instead of feeling like I have a relationship with this person. Okay, but okay. that's sick. But yeah, technically, but thank you. But technically, it yeah. does break out of that mold because yeah. they are receiving that mm-hmm. actual mm-hmm. Oh, that is letter so air quotes. God, that is so awful. It's, it's not real parasocial relationship or interaction because they're actually technically an interaction. But 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 it's really a feeling of kayfabe. It is, yeah. but it's a kayfabe <laughs> like fucking kayfabe everywhere. It's really just dirty. God damn it! Taking yeah, it, taking just, advantage it's, of it's, the like the sympathy uh, that you gain by having a four hundred fifty pounds Canadian. Who yeah, but also forty, like, but was only twenty six, sitting on your chest. God, but yeah. also it's like you're you're manipulating kids. Yeah, it's pro wrestling. Like, yeah, <laughs> you gonna hand out tickets at the Indy five hundred while you're at it? Like, yeah, like the, their yeah. whole marketing strategy has been. I mean, the whole thing about being on MTV, the whole thing about selling good humor bars with professional wrestlers on it, or wrestling plush toys or all the dolls but this one's different because you're getting their direct address that's true and that's where it's more dirty like with the other stuff that's more like capitalism uh we -hmm. provide it to you you buy it yeah we offer it you choose you opt in yeah but now it's like this this is where we're gonna we're gonna tug on your heartstrings in order to manipulate you into giving us personal information Yes, that the, we will and, then and we're, catalogs. And and yep. by the way, and by the way, here's how you know that we're recording this this podcast in the in the 2020s, because in the 1980s it would have been whatever. It's a catalog. Like now, privacy issues and all that stuff are, are such a big fucking deal because it's literally everywhere. Yeah, you know that I we're think. we're having this. Oh my god, I feel so dirty. Like in the, in, I'm sure parents in the 1980s were like, "Oh, hey, all right, I see what you're doing. Okay, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. well played." Yeah. Like no. here, but but now we're we're so used to like, "Oh my God, my my identity is now out there. Somebody's gonna like you know steal my shit." You know. Mm-hmm. But yeah, I think now I'm trying to remember <laughs> if Congress passed a, a bill. I think Congress recently passed a bill trying to like have phone companies block or make it more difficult for robo calls um something like that so that's a positive note yeah yeah so there you go so hulk hogan stepped away from wrestling for a bit the thing that had built his brand the thing that made him a household name 
He was the first pro wrestler to be on Sports Illustrated in 1985. I mean, there's so much that he has built for himself by 1990. And and he steps away. And some of it's to get some much-needed rest. Some of it is to try to do other things. By the time he's filming Suburban Commando, he's back on the road, though. Uh, he's starring in that movie alongside Shelley Duvall, Christopher Lloyd, The Undertaker, just before he became The Undertaker, uh, and the brother of the guy who played Bud from Married with Children. All right. Um, Hulk what Hogan. an all-star cast. Boy, there howdy. Shelley yeah. Duvall, though. I mean, she was in Popeye. Um, Christopher Lloyd. Yeah. Yeah. Also in Taxi. Yeah. Uh, I heard he did some other things like car commercials. I don't exactly remember. Um, I don't know, dude. But um, so Hulk Hogan is credited as Hulk Hogan in Suburban Commando. And he was the star of Suburban Commando. And he played an interstellar hero who ended up on Earth and tried to blend into the suburbs. It filmed from September of 1990 through January of 91. And that kept Hogan in the game just in time to come back and win the Royal Rumble. Now, the Royal Rumble, real quick, you remember I told you about Battle Royals. The Royal Rumble yeah. is, what if we yeah. did that in reverse? So instead of 20 men start and then you go, it's two men start and every two minutes you send another person in. And by the end, it's 30 people that have been in, but they, you know, plenty have been eliminated. And it's it's really, really clever. It is one of my favorite events. Um, yeah. There's um, so much good to Royal Rumbles. My, I remember, I, I, I've only watched, I haven't religiously watched wrestling, but I think the first Royal Rumble I watched was when, uh, was it Ray, yeah, it was Ray Mysterio winning. Wow. That's a good one to start with, but that's yeah. also a bad one to start with because they don't get much better. No. That was amazing. <laughs> yeah. So no. for the uninitiated, Ray Mysterio is a five foot three, five foot four professional wrestler. Um, who the previous year had lost his best friend, Eddie Guerrero, yes. uh, to a heart attack. And so he dedicated his uh, his Royal Rumble win to Eddie, um, and to which Triple H said, it's really weird to dedicate a loss to your friend, but go off. Um, and uh, so you, you do this thing where you pick your number at the beginning of the show kind of thing. And uh, Ray picks his number and he just looks up and he goes, Eddie got me, man. Eddie got me. And Ray comes out first and he has to outlast everyone else yep. and still end up the only man standing. And he manages to do so. Uh, he's a, he sets a, a record mm -hmm. that lasted until just a couple of years ago, sets a record of 63 minutes. Um, and the drama is yep. high because he's this tiny little dude. Like at one point, the NWO used him as a lawn dart to prove how dominant they yeah. were. Mm -hmm. um, so, mm -hmm. yeah, Ray Mysterio is is uh, just an incredible guy. Clearly David and Goliath kind of thing. And you're always primed to root for him. Oh, yeah. I he's my was is my favorite wrestler. And then if I recall correctly, because my brother and I also watched that WrestleMania. Uh -huh. Um. Randy oh, so Orton ends up taking his position, who happens to be the yes. son of Cowboy, Cowboy Orton. Orton. Yep. Yeah. So and the, then it things happen, and then mm -hmm. it's a triple threat match between Rey Mysterio, Randy Orton, and then Kurt Angle. Exactly. So the prize yeah. for winning is that you get to challenge for the championship at WrestleMania. So you're guaranteed a main event slot, basically. 
Oh, wow. Um, okay. And so that was in January. In February, um, Randy Orton basically, I think he might have been the last guy thrown out um, by, yeah. by Ray. And he basically, Orton cuts a very famous promo because of how over the fucking line it was. Um, and he basically says, like, Eddie's not in heaven. Eddie's in hell. Um, and everybody mm-hmm. who knew Eddie agrees that Eddie would have loved that. Um, <laughs> because Eddie is a second generation wrestler himself. Um, and the wrestling always came. I mean, he comes from the Guerrero family. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so there was some sensitivity issues that that were around that. Orton, you know, very often bad guys will go too far. Uh, and so Orton beats Ray for the number one contendership, even though it's not a thing you're supposed to be able to contest for. And then Teddy Long comes out and says, oh, yeah, you've got the number one contendership, but Ray's still in the match. And Ray beats then both Randy and Kurt uh, and then goes on to have the the shittiest run as a champion because Vince McMahon can only think in one direction sometimes. And so he sees Ray (laughs) McMaster Jr. being such a a little guy that every match Ray wins, it's by DQ or count out or he he gets beaten up for like 99 percent of the match and he never wins strong. Mm. Um, And then it it kind of flitters out. But he very important. Yeah, very important wrestling history there. I mean. I think it's really like one of the best examples of like a true underdog story within yeah. wrestling. Yeah. Yeah. But they kept putting him against guys who were giants, literally against like the big show, the great Kali. Like he almost comes up to the great mm-hmm. Kali's like just his belly button. Like it's yeah. He, like, yeah, you, you can, you know, <laughs> Andrew, if you want to pull up a, a picture of uh, Ray and the great Kali and throw that in the chat. So, uh, Let's see. Hogan uh, comes back for the Royal Rumble. He's capitalizing. Remember, it's 1991, January of 1991, Ed. What's happening in January of 1991? <laughs> uh, <laughs> let's see. 90. I'm tra- now. I'm now. I'm actually trying to think back to 91. Uh, mm-hmm. That's des- uh, yes, desert. Right. Storm. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So as you're looking at this picture of Eddie and the Great Kali, Ray Mysterio, um, not Eddie. Yeah, yeah, I'm sorry, Ray. Um, yeah, Eddie is almost uh, four inches taller than Ray. Uh, oh, what the fuck? Yeah. Uh, both men in that uh, in that picture uh, have been uh, partially responsible for a man's death in a wrestling match. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Wow. So yeah, uh, Ray Jesus. was not directly responsible, although it was his blow that that set things into motion. Um, for El Perro and uh, Kali killed a man by landing on him wrong. Ooh, um, yeah, that was well before they were both in, or no, that was well before Kali was in the WWE too. Mm. And and just imagine mm. what would have happened if they were unionized. <laughs> Fuck scabs. <laughs> yes, yes, indeed. Although, I would say you can't have a scab if you don't have a union. So Hogan's even yeah. worse. Uh, <laughs> Ah, spiritually he's a scab yeah oh he's a spiritual scab yeah all right so so hogan comes back wins the royal rumble capitalizes on this rising tide of american patriotism and hatred for that turncoat 
Sergeant Slaughter, who had defeated the, the Ultimate Warrior at the same event and got the championship. And he, Sergeant Slaughter, was really good friends with uh, Saddam Hussein. And Saddam Hussein sent him his curved wrestling boots. And he had two advisors, Colonel Adnan and Colonel Mustafa. And Colonel Mustafa was actually the Iron Sheik. Um, and okay, wait, wait, what? Wait, wait. Uh huh. Back the truck up. Oh, okay. Hold on. Sure. Sergeant Slaughter. You've heard of him, yeah. Famously a part of the G.I. Joe team. Yep. And and whose whole shtick is built on being a a Marine. Mm-hmm. Who a better drill to instructor. be a turncoat. Yeah. Okay. Just wanted to make sure that I'd heard that correctly. I, I th- yeah. He I think Flynn. I missed that part in the cartoon. Yeah. So <laughs> the cartoon. His, we we spent several episodes talking about the cartoon. Uh, yeah. Yeah. His cartoon presence was over by 1987, like yeah. shortly after the movie. So. Wow. And this right. is 1991. This is 91. Okay. Yeah. So, okay. So, so. Mm-hmm. Traitor. Traitor, former Marine. Yes. Turncoat. Ex-Marine. Because yes. Marine, Marines would, would say that's, that's the case. He was that's even announced which... as, as an Iraqi sympathizer sometimes. Wow. Mm-hmm. I need to understand how do they sell that to the audience? Literally in those words that I said. That's all you needed. That's, there was that's, no yeah. lead up. They were just like, no. out of the blue, he's a turncoat. So yeah, he comes out dressed in, if you want to look up Sergeant Slaughter 1991, he comes out dressed in Iraqi military garb. Like your standard looks like oh, one of the people the, standing the, around the, Saddam. Yeah. Republican the, guard kind of. Kind yeah, of. The, the A-10s or whatever you called those before. The, yeah, yeah, those those shirts. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, the yeah, the very the thing is the the Iraqi the the commentary from from an American advisor after after the the second Gulf War was you know no matter how how hard we work with these guys they still march like the British. Um, (laughs) Makes sense. The 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 uniforms are very 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 territorial British Army. Yes. Uh, So yeah, that that shirt and that very distinctive you know high belt line kind of trousers. Yep. Was he wearing Jodhpurs, or were they? Here you go. Okay. There, that picture right there. Shit. Yeah, God. I gotta hold on. I gotta open that up. Mm-hmm. I gotta open that up. Oh my God, that is the so, Iron Sheik. It is. That's, wow. Yeah, I, I love. I love how they can they can totally recycle. Mm-hmm. Oh, when you find out like that there that. is a character called the Sheik, and then later on he comes back as Rikishi, um, who <laughs> is a hip hop <laughs> sumo dancer. Um, what? Okay. Yeah, and and he's played by. Oh God, I remember those cards. Oh um, my God, Almighty! And you find out that he's played by a Samoan man. Uh, <laughs> well, I mean, of course he is, because right. you know. Wow. Yep. I'm. I'm. I'm sorry. I'm still getting over that. The the second one with the with the flames in the background and yeah. the three of them there and yep. like wow. That's, but then you've that's... got him with the agal and the kefia. Yeah. Just that... Like oh, yeah, every one point, of he these burns photos a flag. is 
So every Sergeant one of these photos yeah. is like a fever dream to me. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> like you could find type in Sergeant Slaughter burning flag. Um oh, oh yeah, that's where he gets the boot from uh from uh so th- this is a picture of him with the curved boot. He got it as a gift from uh Saddam Hussein, his very close personal friend. Wow. And this is yeah, good marketing. So and then of Damn. course Sergeant Slaughter right. goes out at one point and burns a flag in front of the whole audience. That's cheap heat. Yeah, like, come on. He burns the Hulk Hogan t-shirt as a flag. The Hulk Hogan <gasps> t-shirt. No shit, really? Dead serious. Wow. Yeah. Now that's good right. heat. Yeah. So, so yeah, America is fully going into Desert Storm, right? And well, WWF yeah. did not think that it would end so soon. So they had this plan <laughs> for Sergeant Slaughter <laughs> to become the most hated wrestler, as I'd spoken of in our G.I. Joe episodes. And Hogan is the oh, real American is... who's back to make us not the underdog against Iraq. Yeah, there he is holding up the Iraqi flag with the hell, Well, it's it's the, the 2000, hell? it's the WWE 2K16 game. Oh, okay. But they're pretty, pretty photo accurate, actually. That's, yeah. Oh, my God. Yeah. It is. Gee, many Christmas. So, Jesus. you know, Hogan wow. is, is going to make sure that the United States is no longer the underdog against Iraq because we clearly um, were. Um, uh, wait. <laughs> Jingoism sells. Uh, and wrestling fans need to see. But, but the amount of the amount of metal gymnastics you've got to go through. Murder, every, murder like, gymnastics. Well, yes. Mental gymnastics. I mean, like. But yeah, how do you do the mental contortions to ever create a situation where the United States was the underdog in that in that right. conflict? Like, oh yeah, I'm still okay. trying to wrap my head around how they just like ah he he he's associated with Iraq. <laughs> yeah, well, because he's military. Yeah, and... yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, that's well, all. you know, it, it, here's the deal. I I the more we talk about wrestling. The more I understand what the writer's room of a long-running soap opera must be like, mm-hmm. I mean that makes sense. Actually. Well, you, like, you, I mean, well, because because it's episodic and it's, it's weekly. It's episodic. Like, it's it's everything it can is never come is, down. You know, week by week, month by month, you you have to keep finding a new. You have to keep finding a way to raise the stakes, right? Mm-hmm. Um. Or like, keep oh my the God. stakes feeling like they're raising. Yeah, yeah. Keep, yeah. keep the stakes. Yeah, or keep, keep it seeming like the stakes are high. You know, like um, on on um, Days of Our Lives, which my wife and my mother both both watch. Sure. So I've I've known about Days of Our Lives since I was a kid because it was it was my mother's soap opera. You know, they've had characters on there. There is there is a villain. Stefano DiMera, who who the actor who played him um has been dead for a decade now. <laughs> right. And right. and most and most of the time, like historically on soap operas, when when one actor retires, quits, 
gets unpopular with the rest of the cast, whatever. You just, you find somebody else and like, just carry on and Stefano. And you're like, wait, that's Stefano. That's a completely different guy. No roll with it. That's Stefano. It's a new actor, but same yeah. character. He had, he had a car accident and plastic surgery. Yeah. Plastic it, surgery. Like, yeah, they, they find sometimes they, they put in the effort to find a way to, to write in the change in appearance and, and frequently they just don't and just like fucking roll with it. But it turn out. Oh, go yeah. on. But but this this particular actor had been in the role for so long that when the actor passed away, um, they they basically said, okay, no, Stefano Stefano is dead. We we we're not going to cast anybody else to play this character because this was this was his character. <laughs> so they found a way to bring him back anyway. Of course, <laughs> because because you don't let a good villain like that stay dead. Um, his, one of his henchmen had found a way to, uh, create a mental program of him, like on a microchip that he could implant in somebody (laughs) else's head and, and thus resurrect Stefano from the dead. Somehow Palpatine has returned. Yeah. Somehow. Yes. Somehow Palpatine (laughs) has returned. Yeah. Like, no, you don't, you don't eat a pig that good all at once. Like, right. Right. And, and, you know. Iron Sheik becomes Colonel, Colonel Mustafa, Mustafa. Yeah. you know, and, and no, no, no. Sergeant Slaughter's a bad guy now. Yeah. Like, no, this is, it's, this soap opera writing. Like, well, that's, he's not just it's, a bad guy now. You know, He'd been a bad guy, but now he's a bad guy. Iraqi sympathizer. Okay. Earning the Hulk rules t-shirt in front of an audience of children. Did wow. it turn out, did it turn out that Sergeant Slaughter had amnesia the entire time? No. No. Damn. <laughs> Although he eventually does redeem, but it's okay. it's such a buried story. Okay. Uh partly because he got death threats for doing this. Oh yeah. shit. Legit fucking well, death threats. Security there was, was no... 24/7. Wow. Because to me it seems like they just threw that out there. Let's just do this. Yep. The, wh- yeah. Where was what was the lead up to it? There wasn't any. He came back in as an Iraqi sympathizer. He did not. He did not of like course. turn while he was there. He was away. I think he was with AWA for a while, and then he kind of bounced around a few other territories. Ended up down in uh, Puerto Rico. I forget where he was prior to this, but he comes back as the Iraqi sympathizer. That's his gimmick now. Wow. Yeah, he's still the Sarge, but so yeah, uh, Hulk Hogan makes the rounds. He's wearing fatigues now. He's wearing the American flag do rag now. Um, he's visiting all the talk shows, especially Arsenio Hall. Arsenio Hall has a Ooh. very special relationship with wrestling, and he was uh, a talk show host who, you know, who really understood wrestling. So he would have wrestlers on. Specifically, he had Hulk Hogan on for for this stuff, um, and that'll come up later too. Uh, now, because Vince McMahon had been pushing a more and more hyper-masculinized bodies uh, in the WWF, starting with Hulkamania, as evidenced by our episodes on fantasy movies and masculinity in the 80s, thank you, Ed, yep. a more cartoonish aesthetic was needed. And this was part of an attempt to appeal to a global audience in as broad a way as possible. And this meant heavily muscled fellas. And that is going to mean Rugs. Yeah. Yeah. 
and that's where that's we're that's what we start. want <laughs> <laughs> next time next episode we're going to talk about uh dr george sahorian uh who uh oh good lord it you thought it was dark so far you're gonna wish for these days by the time i'm done with these episodes uh, so so what you're saying is next time we record i shouldn't get a beer i should i should break out the bourbon you should get all the beers yeah oh, okay yeah. got it Ooh. Fuck. maybe this time i'll bring some beer <laughs> yeah, yeah here you go i say hit the hard stuff first i say what do they say liquor before beer you're in the clear. yeah yeah, yeah just liquor yeah. before liquor yeah um, <laughs> you know oh, marry shit. marry the moonshiner's daughter there there we go all yeah, right she can make you liquor all night long yeah well played. Thank you. Well played. Very. <laughs> so, uh, so what have y'all gleaned? <laughs> this is, uh, <laughs> that, okay, some people. You know, go ahead, know. Andrew. No, you, you, you're, I, I'm ahead, still Andrew. trying to recover. I'm still mm-hmm. trying to recover from just like throwing Sergeant Slaughter as a, I, I rack <laughs> sympathize. You could have just, just like made him like, Hey, made him start leaning towards like war is vile and then he like becomes a like ant like a peacemaker like become anti-colonization or something like that and then side with iraq in that sense which still wouldn't make sense in many ways but at least there's a lead up <laughs> but you're you're expecting there to be like narrative sense here like yeah. Well, well, no. And again, there's because... plenty of narrative sense. You remember when the Iron Sheik comes into the WWF? Yeah. It's right after the hostage crisis. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, there's, 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 there's... no lead up to that shit. No. It just yeah. comes in. It's like, yeah. It's okay. When we were looking to to go to Iraq uh, again, yeah. um, under a different president named Bush. Like, talk about lazy writing. Um, somehow Palpatine <laughs> returned. Um, but uh, when we were going to lead up to that, do you remember that France looked at the same intelligence that was like, there's no there there? Yeah, there's and then we declared, burger. We, de- we declared that nothing burger could not be served with French fries, but instead freedom fries in the yeah. congressional uh, yeah. cafeteria. The week after that, a wrestling tag team <laughs> showed up on WWE television, La Resistance. Uh, wrestling is vulgar it is not (laughs) it is not refined and and that 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 actually leads into what my my glean from this is do it um this is and and i've i've kind of i've said it before but this just reinforces my theory that uh, professional wrestling is the modern incarnation of American Commedia dell'arte. Mm-hmm. Yep. And and it's important noting that my thesis is that the original American version of Commedia dell'arte is minstrel shows. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and and the things that make minstrel shows problematic. This is a less ver- less. This is a more racist version of minstrel shows. <laughs> It's, it's the thing is, it's, it's, it's so, so it is, it is still racist as fuck, mm-hmm. but the, but the, the form of the racism is, is less, it's a word I'm looking for. It's, 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 
it's it's I don't want to say it's less overt because it's pretty fucking overt, but it's it almost isn't, like it's less direct. Yeah. It's yeah. you know, it it isn't it isn't, you know, um you can't even say it's less capricious. Like no, no, <laughs> no, it's just as capricious. Um, but it's yeah, I, I don't I don't know how to how to how to define that mm-hmm. that kind of different it, it's a, it's a difference of degree it's not a difference of quality it's a difference of degree i think actually it is a difference of of kind okay because when you are with the exception of roddy piper on half of his body when you are <laughs> when you are when you are engaging in blackface yeah to make the punchline about race instead of yeah. using race as a storyline okay and, and upholding racist tropes as a storyline okay Okay. Um, I think those are different there you things. Go. I th- okay. I think but they're both I still think, Comedia Del Arte. Yeah, I, I think I think that's a that's a that's a good that's a good definition of it. But yeah, it's still Comedia Del Arte. It's still incredibly broad. It's still uh playing on all the tropes. Like, you know, if if yeah. you know the if you know the narrative beats, you know there's only so many different ways this can go. Um and and you're there you, you're there because you want that like you don't you don't go to you, you don't you don't turn on a wrestling show you don't you don't turn on WWE whatever whatever the latest incarnation is when you when you turn it on to watch you know new episodes you don't turn it on in order to see, you know, what's what's the shocking twist that I'm never going to see coming. You turn it on to see what's the shocking twist that I totally knew they were going to fucking do. You know what I mean? Okay. It is is you yeah. you are you, you are for the same reason that like, you know, they're soap opera. It's I know that at some point they're going to have Marlena get kidnapped by aliens again or possessed by the devil. Right. Or both. Oh, you just opened the link. I did. (laughs) I, I, I'm, I'm afraid to, you need to Uh, (laughs) just open it. Okay. All right. It's it's an action figure of Roddy Piper. Oh God. Um, and he's painted. But you, oh, Jesus Christ! <laughs> yeah, that is that is so. But bad. you're right. There are there um, are set and pieces. I loved, and I, it's it's melodrama, right? Yeah, you're. Yeah, yeah. You are. You are. You are showing up to that in order to see a story that you know, you know broadly how it's going to unfold. That's mm-hmm. absolutely true. It Wrestling is, is morality plays. Yeah, it's it passion plays. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you know, you know, depending on on which wrestling culture a story is coming from, you know who's going to come out on top. You know broadly how that's going to happen. True, and yeah, and and so all of this, all all of the plot lines that we see, um, are kind of secondary to like to to the thesis that you're that you're building toward with with you know hulk's specific story yeah yeah you know what we're what what i what i think is interesting is that there are so many layers of constructed reality 
involved in all of it. Yeah. Kayfabe's a hell of a drug. Yeah. That's a great phrase. Kayfabe's a hell of a... There you go. That's that's it. Kayfabe is a hell of a drug. And this is all... This is this is all Commedia dell'arte, and 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 the thing is that we're we're watching how Commedia dell'arte is infecting the reality of it. Mm-hmm. You know, as yeah. as we go through this. So yeah, what do you think, Andrew? Okay, um, no, I, I think that makes complete sense. I need to know specifically how to say and what is the French word that you just kept saying. Commit. Oh, Commedia dell'arte. Sorry, that's a that's a theater reference. Uh, Commedia dell'arte was was a vulgar form of theater in uh, Italy uh, in in the Renaissance, early modern period. Way too many consonants Uh, to be French. (laughs) True. (laughs) Entirely true. Um, And and you actually pronounce all of the vowels. Um, (laughs) You don't you don't alter the pronunciation of any of the vowels at all. Uh, so it can't be French. Uh, it's it's spelled the way it sounds. Um, but anyway, uh, so Commedia dell'arte was a uh, it's, it's kind of related in some ways to to mime. It was a it was a popular vulgar form of theater that involved a kind of revolving cast of stock characters. You would have you know the the old man, the daughter. Uh, the young, the young lover, the soldier, the loyal servant, and and there would be, and and a lot of it was improvisational, and mm-hmm. so every performance was different, but it all, but because, you know, you you as a performer, you you get into routines, it it would involve set pieces. And I don't remember what the term was because there was a specific term for the the kind of set pieces. But if if you were an audience member, you knew, oh, this is going to be a story where, you know, the daughter and the young man are trying to get together, and you know, uh, the the father is trying to keep them apart, and there are going to be two servants, and one of the servants is going to be working for the father and is going to be a snitch. And the other one is going to be trying trying to get the two lovers together, and and there would be you know slapstick comedy on the way to whatever whatever oh. ending you got to. Okay, and, and so that's that's in a very simplified nutshell, that's commedia dell'arte, mm-hmm. and so that's wrestling is basically that only with roided out dudes in in sparkly trunks. Yep, you know. Yep. Okay, that makes way more sense. Yeah, but like um, overall, uh, some big stuff that I picked up is like how consistently an opportunist uh, Hulk Hogan was. Yes. Uh, the big thing for me, clearly from us constantly making the point of uh, fuck scabs is basically <laughs> how he was one of the main inf- factors that prevented a union from forming which is something that i actually thought about a while ago like has there ever been an attempt within professional wrestling to unionize and this is the answer um but there, can you say there the was, word there was talk of a union um shortly after the death of chris benoit the death and murder of his, i uh, yeah there remember was talk, that and it was a Almost a throwaway line on um, a talk show on either CNN or MSNBC 
I hesitate to say it was on Nancy Grace, because I don't think it was, but I'm pretty sure it was Roddy Piper who said it. Really? I believe oh. so. Yeah. But it was it was such a throwaway line that I could not find it. Because when I when I was doing that little part, I was like, I remember this, but I could not find it again. But there was talk. I remember. Talk. Yeah. So I remember when Benoit died. So yeah. but here's the thing. This is something I thought about mainly mm-hmm. because we've seen. Can you say the Italian word again for me? Commedia dell'arte. I'm just going to point at the screen when I need you to say it because I'm not going to be able to say it. <laughs> okay, um, no worries. Um, I'm thinking somebody, there's going to be this Commedia dell'arte. <laughs> Uh, coming up soon because as we're seeing now there's much more greater union support going around in the country as well as with uh, the currently the SAG um, uh, oh, the strike, strike or not yeah. the, the writers writers guild strike and yeah. we've seen WGA, I think. yeah and I think there's still a strike going on in Alabama I don't remember within a mine um, but this has become more in the cultural zeitgeist I wouldn't be surprised if there is a Arte. where they introduce a wrestler in a in a storyline who is trying to unionize they've all for that. like they've done that where yeah. they ultimately just beat him down as a kind of like symbolic representation of union busting. Yeah. So uh, oh. Mick Foley, Ken Shamrock. The Big Show, and I want to say Test, I could be wrong, all four of them carried uh, two-by-fours to the ring, um, and uh, they they went against, it was when Vince McMahon had the corporation, and Undertaker oh. had the Ministry of Darkness, and they combined to make the corporate ministry, because conglomerations of corporations and uh, ministries of darkness is fine, but then these four guys three of whom have been kicked out of the corporation or the ministry of darkness. They formed up with Mick Foley. Uh, and he says, I guess we're kind of a union and it, it died within weeks, uh, yeah. fell apart. Couldn't stay organized. Like those words were used. There was another time where the referees were sick and tired of being abused by wrestlers. And so they had a picket line out front um and they mm-hmm. were they were and that was this is all kayfabe uh and they were uh protesting and so you had scab refs and it didn't go as well uh but nah. then you know vince did not make a deal with the refs union um storyline yeah, so they've done that twice yeah well because as long as vince mcmahon is running that fucking company they're never going to have a storyline where a union wins because he's fucking terrified Maybe yeah. they would have won. Maybe the union would have won. As you point out, they came out with two by fours and they brought out Hacksaw Jim Duggins. Could have. Well, and I think yep. it yeah. was calling back to his working class character exactly. uh, roots. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway. But the other big but the other big thing is like I'm trying to think like, were there other wrestlers who were like uh diversifying their like um, in dis- themselves and other industries, are were there other individuals Terry who Funk. were like, yeah, there Terry we Funk go. is the only one uh, and... that I that I found regularly making sure that he got work every year to keep his SAG benefits. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so that's another thing. Like you're seeing him, he has 
so much power within as the face of wrestling and he is using his his influence to uh be able to diversify his um appearance in other films and even then he's still credited as hulk hogan yes and that and that is a big switch over that happened yeah yeah he's not terry anymore correct terry eugene i can't remember his last name so so honestly hulk hogan I don't think we've seen him credited at, within the context of this story. I don't think we've seen him credited in anything as Terry Balea since Rocky. Since Rocky, that is true. Yeah, yeah. And so that gets me to start thinking: like, did he ever? Cha- did he legally change his name to Hulk Hogan first yeah. off? No. Okay, so he's he, at definitely he's he's consistent with his kayfabe. He's consistent maintaining some sort of image, mm-hmm. um, which I will probably try to talk more about next episode. Oh, you're um, gonna get to it, I, there's there's a lot of image management coming up. Yeah, and I'm glad you brought up image management. I will bring up like a ton of research around that mm-hmm. uh, idea. Cool. I love image yeah. management theory, um, and really also how he basically with that idea of populism but also with how he took in a way worked with the WWE to mm-hmm. take advantage of those uh, parasocial interactions. Um, nah. huh. Yeah. That that's, that's a lot of interesting stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, at this point, uh, what do y'all recommend as far as uh, stuff to read or listen to or look at? Uh, let's see. Ed, we'll start with you. Okay. Um, I'm going to completely go out of out of the realm of what we've been talking about. Um, I know in not our most recent episode before this, but the prior one, uh, Andrew mentioned uh, the new Zelda game. And I'm going to uh, add my my recommendation. Um, if you have any doubt about the uh, importance of writing in the medium of video games, I challenge you to complete certain quests within Tears of the Kingdom and not be left gutted at the end of them. Um, it it is it is a Nintendo has a has a very good track record of creating very emotionally affecting content and uh, i very very highly recommend tears of the kingdom so as as an exercise in storytelling through the medium of video games excellent i'm going to go ahead and recommend sisterhood of the squared circle the history uh and rise of women's wrestling uh it's written by pat laprade or laprade and dan murphy uh, Pat is a fascinating interview. If you can ever find uh, Mr. L-A-P-R-A-D-E, uh, if you can ever find him uh, listed as being recorded interviewing, he knows so much about women's history or women's uh, wrestling history. And uh, given that we talked about Wendy Richter last time, um, mm-hmm. I, I found this to be a very, very useful thing. It gets into the deep and dirty, dark shit that Mula was into um, or enmeshed in and had to react to and then uh, ended up doing. Um, and it's just, oh, all kinds of... Billy Wolf is a is is easily one of America's top 10 villains. 
Um, so yeah, uh, that that is me. What are you recommending there, Andrew? I'm gonna recommend an anime. Um, oh. I recently started watching this anime called Mashal. Uh, the premise is this. It's an entire world where people have magical powers and you go to magical academies to learn how to hone these magical skills. Uh, however, our main protagonist, oddly enough, does not have magic at all. He has no ability to mag produce magic or perform it. So what does he do? He figures out a different way to solve his problems. Lifting heavy things. So he's literally <laughs> just constantly lifting weights and characters will like fling magic at him. They're like, Oh, I'm going to do damage to you. And he just smacks it out of the air. Wow. Um, nice. it's, it's, and then through a weird series of events where like it, it technically in the show, it's illegal to be non-magical or you're like, it, it it's kind of, it, it feels eugenics-y in a lot mm -hmm. of ways in that mm -hmm. sense. Yeah. Uh, but they do it humorously, um, oddly. So this cop who finds out, like, oh, you're non-magic. Here's the deal. We won't arrest you, but you need to go to this magical academy and become, like, the top-tier student. And he's like, I'll do it. <laughs> and it's <laughs> deadpan humor the entire time. Okay. But everything he has to do is just ridiculous in the way he performs magic air quotes through the use of just nothing but physical strength. <laughs> nice. brute force. And I love it. It's all over the top comedy in the sense nice. while also being deadpanned. It's ridiculous and funny. Nice. Just a good mindless watch. Okay. In in that in that very Japanese, this is this is very clearly comedy, but we're gonna play it absolutely dead straight. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> love it. Yeah. I, that's, I, love, I it. love that. Yeah. And it's then awesome. you only have that one character who's like, this is fucking ridiculous. What's going on? <laughs> this isn't how anything works. And everybody's Wait like, now this is how it works. <laughs> yeah. Cool. All right. Nice. Well, let's let's skip right to it. Andrew, where can people find you? Because Ed doesn't want to be found. And everyone knows that my shows are on the first Friday of every month in Sacramento at 8 p.m., uh, except for September, where it'll be the second Friday of the month. <laughs> So where well, do people find you? Well, if you want to continue to follow me, you can follow me at prof.suds at TikTok or follow me on Twitter at prof underscore suds. Or you can follow me on Instagram at adsuds. And in all honesty, I'm also trying to think uh, about possibly starting a YouTube channel or whatever um, where I just take my TikToks and do post shorts or whatever. Very nice. Prof.suds. That's the hope there. All right. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Well, thank you so much for joining us, and we'll see yes. you in the next episode when we talk about wrestling and drugs. So just get cheerier. So Yay. for a geek history of time, I'm Damien Harmony. And I'm Ed Blaylock. And until next time, keep rolling 20s. <laughs>